The interviews and discussions on this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. Hello, I'm your host, Peter Strachan. Welcome to Stockhead's Rock Yarn. Today, we're pleased to welcome back to Stockhead, Dr. Francis Whedon. Now, Francis is the founder and executive chairman of lithium brine and geothermal energy developer, Vulcan Energy. Welcome back, Francis. Firstly, can you just locate Vulcan's project for the listener? Yeah, hi, Peter. Thanks for having me on. Sure. So um, Vulcan is developing the zero carbon lithium project. Um, which is in the Upper Rhine um, Valley brine field of southwest Germany, um, bordering northeastern France. Um, it's a very large geothermal lithium brine field. So it's a subsurface brine um, in a reservoir called the Winter Sandstone. It stretches for hundreds of kilometers. Um, and we're, we're sitting on top of the largest lithium resource in Europe. Um, it's actually a globally significant lithium resource. Um, and we're, we're actually already producing the geothermal um, energy from this brine. So we're pumping it up hot um, to the surface. We're producing baseload renewable heat and power, um, which we're selling. Um, and what we've been piloting for the last few years is extracting the high lithium grades, um, extracting lithium out of the brine um, using our proprietary technology, which is based on commercially proven lithium extraction technology called absorption. Um, and then uh, converting that into a lithium hydroxide product. Um, and we sell um, pretty much exclusively to European uh, customers. So our main um, uh, offtakers include Stellantis, who's also our second largest shell. That, and obviously the main part of this project is that, um, I guess one of the main reasons for being is that we produce more renewable energy than we consume. Um, so um, the net carbon position um, is net zero. It's actually net negative. Um, uh, so we call it the zero carbon lithium project. Yeah, so you're surrounded by infrastructure and, and markets. Uh, so a pretty good position to be in. You're not up in the wilds of Canada or somewhere in the central Africa, uh, right in the middle of the place where they're going to need more and more um, energy and, uh, and lithium. So since we last spoke, spoke in late 22, uh, lithium market has dramatically shifted. How do you see the industry responding and will demand for electric vehicles and batteries generally uh, eventually soak up this surplus of lithium chemical supply that's currently evident? Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, most, if not all of us in the lithium industry were saying when the price was skyrocketing up to um you know, up from 8,000 a ton to 80,000 a ton, um, we were saying it's not sustainable. Um, look, it, it's simply put, it's a very, very small market still. It's a very, very small um, industry, the lithium industry. Um, you know, you're talking circa a million tons per annum of supply and demand. Um, and it's growing at about, I mean, depending on which numbers you use, anywhere between 20 um, and 25% compound annual growth rate. I, I don't know many other industries that are growing at that compound rate uh, in, in any industry in the world. What that means is that um, every time you get new uh, supply or new demands coming on stream, 
um, because it's such a small market, it can rock into imbalance pretty quickly. And that's what happened in 2122. And that's what's happened now, just the other way. So I think we're going to continue to see um, these kind of wild gyrations, wild oscillations up and down in lithium pricing. And um, for a lot of companies, uh, you know, in, in lithium equities as well, because they seem to follow the lithium pricing pretty closely. Um, I think we'll continue to see that in the years to come. Look, by, by 2030, I think the market will be will be much bigger. Um, and so I think this will have stabilized uh, somewhat. I think the lithium market will, will become more mature. But in the meantime, we've, we've got to just kind of ride out these highs and lows. But structurally, um, as I said, growing at a very, very healthy component of growth rate. I mean, people get excited about uranium. I think that's growing at 4% CAGR. Um, as I said, lithium is above 20%. Um, company growth rates and the transition to EVs is structural it's not going away anywhere it's happening um, it might sort of happen in fits and starts in different countries but globally we're electrifying the world's transportation over the next 10 years there's no there's no getting back from that so and that the, the amount of lithium that we need for that is baked in it, it is a lot of lithium so I, I'm pretty I'm pretty comfortable um with where it's going, but obviously we've got to sort of ride out the um, the highs and the lows until then. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's not like iron ore, which is sort of 1.6 billion tonnes a year, a new mine come on, it might be 20 million tonnes, it, it hardly makes a dent. Whereas, as you say, in the lithium industry, someone comes on producing 20,000 tonnes of lithium carbonate or 30, it's uh, quite a big hit to the market. So it takes a while for those... Um, for that to be swallowed by the uh, consumer, doesn't it? It, it does. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, as you point out, um, uh, it's it's orders of magnitude um, smaller than than ILR. So um, you can get those very small imbalances. But I think um, you know a, a, a bit of a, a shakeout is also healthy. Um, you know, we can't have the rising market. We can't always have the rising market of everything. Um, uh, so I think. Uh, you know the market will get a bit more efficient in this downturn. That's a good thing. I think um, we we consider ourselves pretty well positioned. We've always um, focused on cost of operation, um, opex, and um, we uh, you know from our bridging study numbers, which is a class two estimate, we expect um, right about four thousand uh, a ton opex cost. Um, so we should be you know one of the lowest, if not the lowest, cost operators out there because we're using the waste heat from our process to drive. Our lithium extraction so our energy costs are very very low um and inherently it's a very low energy process anyway so we've got low opex baked in to the process and we've got um offtakes as well with um you know with tier one counterparties and the offtakes you know they move a little bit um up and down with the lithium pricing uh, index but not much and we've got some fixed prices in there as well um so our profit margins are somewhat um well Somewhat baked in, and certainly a lot more stable than the wider than the wider market. Yeah. So I was just looking at your uh, quarterly cash flow report, and last year Vulcan spent about 155 million on project development and exploration, and a further 42 million just running the business there. What have those funds been directed at, and what's the time frame for delivering lithium chloride, and then? lithium hydroxide through 24 and, and beyond? Sure. So um, we've invested in a number of areas across the integrated business. So 
in the upstream, we bought um, some existing wells and a geothermal plant as well. Um, so we've we've got that existing infrastructure. We've we brought that in house. Um, now we're going to add more wells to bring more brine to the surface. But um, yeah, critically, we we focused on buying some existing um, producing assets. Um, we've also brought a um, a drilling company in house. Uh, they're essentially onshore electric oil and gas rigs. They use the same uh, uh, the same gear for geothermal brine drilling. Um, and we, we picked those rigs up uh, quite cheaply and we've been refurbishing them. Um, the idea behind that is that uh, we see one of the main risks to execution being rig availability because um, there's a very, very strong push in Europe to build just geothermal projects, forgetting about the lithium. Um, so there's there's about 12 rigs on the market um, in this part of the world and we we put our put our feet on, them, on, on, on two of them uh, to, to make sure that we've got that rig availability. So we've been, we've been focused on refurbishing those rigs as well. Um, we've also been building we've been building lithium plants. Um, so we built uh, two optimization plants, um, essentially they're commercial demos, um, and this follows the years of piloting of the lithium extraction and conversion. Um, and now those are going into into production. Um, so we'll see the first. Um, uh, the first lithium chloride and first lithium hydroxide coming from those plants in the coming um, weeks, which will be very exciting. Um, you know, Europe's first domestically produced lithium chemicals. Um, and those are going to serve as a training bed for our production team for the next couple of years. Um, so, I mean, one of those plants was a 40 million euro investment. Um, so they're not, they're not small. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big project. It's a big project. And um, in the meantime, we've actually been, um, preparing our new production sites as well um so we've been doing some work on one of our um, new production sites so um yeah actually going into some of the um uh some of the execution side as well um sort of preparatory preparatory execution i would call it so francis i'll just um just double back a little bit and say how how will vulcan commercialize the energy content of its geothermal hot brines you said you're already uh doing that are you like selling the brine or selling the heat to a second party or do you actually using that heat to generate electricity or are you just selling the the therms of energy or how does it work so far and what's the plan going forward yeah good question so um what we're doing at the moment we're selling power to the grid and we get a fixed feed-in tariff uh specifically for geothermal um, power which is 25 euro cents per kilowatt hour um which is pretty high um, uh, and that supports the case for uh, for the geothermal side of the business. So you've got your own power plant there that's capturing that heat. We do, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a you know it's a four four megawatt um, plant. It's it's pretty small in the grand scheme of what we're building, but it is a commercial commercial plant. So we are selling power now. You basically renewable power, um, uh, which is the holy grail in the green energy space. We are selling that to the grid now, but. Going forwards, uh, phase one is going to be um, selling heat as well. So we're actually going to be um, selling hot water from this process into the local city council where we're building up our lithium extraction plant. So the side benefit of what we're doing, um, it makes up a reasonably small amount of our overall revenue, but as a side benefit, as a co-product, we're selling renewable heat as district heating into local communities. Um, and that's that's also very important for... Um, for community acceptance as well for what we're doing, but it's um yeah it, it's a it's a profitable side business as well. Sure. Now you mentioned this bridging 
engineering study that you did, what results has that study delivered for Vulcan? So it's brought us from um, the definitive feasibility study, which is published about a year ago, to um, the bridging engineering study, which essentially the purpose of that was to get sufficient um, engineering definition, you know, about a class two estimate, um, so that we could lock in EPCM contractors and, and start building this project, and also to complete the financing as well. And what it's shown, um, I mean, we've we've got some really clever engineers in the company now, and we've been actually reducing capex. Um, so the capex has come down by nearly 100 million euros um, from the DFS to the bridging study, which is very unusual across the resources sector. So the capex to go backwards over a year um, with the same capacity at the end. So that was a really good result. Um, you know, understanding of the project is advanced, engineering definition is advanced, capex has gone backwards. Um, and despite a dramatic drop in lithium prices, and obviously as a result of that price forecast as well, um, our MPV basically hasn't changed since um, since a year ago, our forecast MPV. Um, and that goes to what I'm saying in, in terms of the OPEX is baked in, the offtakes are baked in. So it's good that you've uh, spent that money on on some drilling equipment because that's going to lower your, your uh, capital costs when it comes to doing more drilling. Yeah, that's right. And I mean... Long term, this is an asset for the company, right? Um, you know, uh, Germany wants to produce a quarter of its energy from geothermal, um, and we've got you know about a hundred of the five hundred drillers who can do this kind of drilling in Europe in house, and we've got two of the twelve rigs that can do this kind of drilling in the area. So it is an asset for the company, our drilling group, Berkana, as well. So you mentioned as well uh, those outcomes from the bridging engineering study. And at the end of last year, end of 23, Falcon held about 130 odd million of cash. And you also spoke just briefly, you touched on, you know, using that study to look at uh, putting debt in place. What sort of arrangements are you uh, working with on the debt and how much will be required to support the you know, phase one development? So, so our CapEx is about 1.4 billion euro. Um, and that's split between the energy side, um, so the, the upstream, the brine um, wells and, uh, and, and, and pipeline infrastructure, the lithium extraction plant, and then the downstream with the lithium uh, hydroxide conversion plant. Um, so fully integrated energy and lithium chemicals project. Um, in terms of the financing, uh, so we're, we're well into that now. Um, we're working with BMP Paribas in Paris. Um, and uh, we're essentially going for a roughly a 65-35 debt equity split. Um, we're doing that at a project level, so a phase one project level. Um, uh, obviously, um, we, we see this as the first phase of multiple phases of development across our portfolio in the, um, the Rhine Valley Brine region um, in, in the field. And um, we're looking at bringing in strategic partners, um, so you know corporates, and you know, climate orientated financial investors uh, into the project equity, um, and then you know the, the debt process is kind of a it's a standard process, but it will be um, uh, underpinned by export credit agencies. So we've got a lot of ECA support um, from European, um, also Canada, Australia as well, 
Um, so a lot of that debt will be ECA covers, or which lowers your cost of capital. Yeah. So from Francis, from what you've said, the uh, it's a multi-decade project that's really not limited by reserves or resources uh, at this point. It's a long time frame. So what's the chemical process route to achieve saleable product from the project? Sure. So it, I mean, I come from a hard rock lithium background, um, uh, and it's it's a lot simpler than that actually. Um, it's just less well known, I think, in Australia as we, we don't really have lithium brines in Australia. But um, uh, essentially, you um, you take the lithium out of the brine using adsorbent, um, which is an alumina-based um, resin, basically. So you're running the brine through a series of columns, um, and the brine contacts with the Adsorbent. You don't use reagents in this process. This is really key. Um, it, the, there's a, an adsorption process. So the lithium ions adsorb onto the surface of that resin, um, that those beads, and that's driven by heat, which we already have naturally in the in the brine, and it's driven by the salinity in the brine. So the lithium ions are adsorbed, and then the brine washes through. The brine gets reinjected minus you know 95 percent of the lithium. You then um, uh, wash the sorbent with fresh water, which gets recycled again and again, so your water footprint is very low. Um, but you end up with an upgraded lithium chloride eddiwit, so a very pure eddiwit. You then run that through a series of um, further uh, purification and concentration steps, and this is standard pots and pans like you know reverse osmosis, you know an RO plant, things like that. And um, you end up with a, um, a very pure 40% lithium chloride concentrate, and the rest is water. Um, that, that then goes to the downstream. So then you've got a conversion plant where you run it through electrolysis cells. And this is basically, it's like a chloralkali plant. They're the same types of cells, but just adjusting the wattage. So instead of processing sodium chloride, you're processing lithium chloride, and you produce lithium hydroxide direct from that. And throughout the process, it's a, um, it produces a very, very pure product. Um, so achieving battery grades, I would argue, I think is is more straightforward than um, the the hard rock process, um, and a lot less reagents as well. And because your your main inputs are green energy, you can keep the carbon footprint net zero as well. Sure. And so you've got battery companies keen to look at your product and and, and offtake from from the project. Yeah. So we have uh, we have fully binding lithium hydroxide agreements um, with a number of different counterparties, including Stellatis, which is, um, um, you know, Peugeot, Citroen, Opel, um, Fiat, Chrysler, among other brands. Um, and also, you know, the likes of Renault, LG, Umicore, et cetera. So, you know, some of the main corporates in um, uh, in Europe in this, uh, in this space. So Francis, when do you think this phase one plant will be actually putting out product to, uh, to test the market? Well, it all depends on the financing. Um, so uh, according to the timeline that we published in um, in the bridging study, um, essentially everything's kind of lined up, ready to go, EPCM contractors and everything for mid-year. Um, if we can close uh, the, the financing to the degree that we want to to, um, uh, to, to basically uh, tell the EPCM contractors to proceed, then uh, by 2026, um, we should be in production. Um, uh, obviously, depends how long the financing takes. If the financing takes longer, that um, that then moves to the right. But um, uh, yeah, I, good progress so far. Um, so um, yeah, we're, we're pushing for that uh, that twenty twenty six start. Okay. Well, finally, it sounds like the next 
six to 12 months is all going to be about getting the ducks in a row from a financial point of view. But what news flow otherwise can uh, investors look forward to? Well, I think, I think many um, people are looking forward to the results from the optimization plants. Um, so first of all, we'll start producing lithium chloride on spec. Um, and I think that's the main part of the process. The adsorption type DLE is the main type of pro uh, part of the process that has skeptics, to be honest, um, even though it's operating commercially around the world. So I think um, that'll be a catalyst for us. I think that'll, um, uh, that'll be something that um, a number of um, funds are looking out for as well, a um, number of investors are looking out for. So um, uh, that will be forthcoming, hopefully, in the next few weeks. Um, and uh, I will be putting out updates on the um, our public funding efforts as well. We we are applying for public funding in Europe. It's not part of our capital stack at the moment, but that could be beneficial um, if we get substantial grants from Germany or the EU. So I think I'd say look out for support from uh, Germany and the EU as well. We're certainly pushing for that. Um, that's a bit of an upside for us. Um, and then I mean the biggest one is updates on the financing. So. Um, I think that's the main question mark hanging over us at the moment. Once we can demonstrate that we're kicking some goals there, then um, I think that'll be a, um, a bit of a catalyst for the company moving forwards. Yeah, indeed. And I think you're right. Having bags of hydroxide that you can show people and say, this is what we've produced and um, our customers are testing it and it's all, all go, I think that, that will be, a, as you say, it just lowers the risk profile for people who don't understand direct lithium extraction metallurgy. So look, Francis, thanks for coming in today to Stockhead. Uh, that's a, a exciting overview, update, and uh, it's going to be interesting times for you as we move through the middle of the year uh, to put those uh, funds in place and to really uh, move on with the uh, development of the main project. Thanks so much, Peter. Thanks for having me on and um, yeah, watch this space. It's going to be a big year for us. Awesome.